Hello and welcome to Believe in Me with Rona Barton. In this week's episode, I'm going to be chatting to you about the financial burden of ME. This is something I struggled with for years and I want to highlight this area as I feel like it's another thing that's forgotten about when it comes to ME. Before we jump in, however, don't forget that you can follow, review, share and subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also sign up for my mailing list by visiting www.ronabarton.co.uk or join my Facebook group, Believe In Me Community, by following me on Facebook, which is at Rona Barton Coaching. Okay, let's jump straight in. As you know by now, I lived with ME for almost 10 years. During that time, I was unable to work. As I was only 21 when I became ill, I hadn't really had the opportunity to earn much money, let alone save. I'd had odd jobs growing up and I worked throughout my time at college, but they were low-wage, hourly-rate jobs. In all that time, I was just pleased that I'd managed to save up enough to buy my first car, insure it and pay for the fuel. It was a fabulous second-hand blue Vauxhall Nova that I called Mickey. He was ace and, you know, sometimes even the heat function worked. (laughs) But I digress. Let's get back on track. Having and starting your first job is like a rite of passage that pretty much everybody goes through as they begin to enter adult life. With it comes more responsibility and the possibility of more prospects. Things like moving out of the family home, getting onto the property ladder, (laughs) buying a car, or even just thinking about setting up a pension. All of these things that several people around the world take for granted. That's not the case when you have ME. Let's face it. If you can't work, it's very difficult to earn money. Without money, you're very limited in what you can do, where you can go, and the things you can buy or pay for. In the UK, our welfare benefits system can be difficult to navigate, and it's often not clear if you're even eligible for any form of financial support when you're unwell. Add to this the brain fog that ME brings the poor concentration and the short attention span and it can feel like an insurmountable task to even start to investigate this aspect, let alone try to complete any of the required forms. For me, this meant this was something that mum helped me to deal with. I say she helped me, she pretty much did it herself. It was very difficult to find out what I may have been entitled to and mum was looking into this whilst looking after me, managing the house and working full time. I'm still pretty sure she's got a superhero cape somewhere in her wardrobe that I've just never found and I've no idea how she did it all. Now I am aware that some people with ME can continue to work. Sometimes that's in a part-time capacity, sometimes it's full-time. This wasn't the case for me with my ME and my ongoing labyrinthitis. 
I honestly tried as long as I could to work and to keep the hope of working alive for my own self-worth and my own self-esteem. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be for me. And that meant trying to work out what I may be able to claim in terms of financial support for me, but also for mum as my main carer. Now, if you are a carer and you're in the UK, you and the person you care for might be eligible for some benefits within our welfare system. You know, that could be along the lines of income support, employment and support allowance, job seekers allowance, maybe pension credits, housing benefits, council tax benefits, personal independence payment. You know, it's not an area in which I am an expert, but it is an area that I do remember being told about um, during my time with ME and also being told that each person's circumstances are different. So other benefits may be available to different people. I believe that eligibility for benefits may also depend on your family circumstances, any savings you may have and in some cases your national insurance record. I would always, always recommend seeking advice on this. There are some useful places that may be able to offer support and guidance, you know, along the likes of some of the well-known ME charities that we have, but also through Citizens Advice Bureau. If you're lucky enough to have a supportive GP, a physiotherapist or some other specialist, they too may be able to point you in the right direction. Regardless of whether you have a carer, please do not be put off making a legitimate claim for welfare benefits. Having access to financial support like this could make a difference to you living independently or even being able to factor in sufficient time in your day to rest and help to stabilise your symptoms. I remember that we had to persevere with an application to ensure that we had captured all of the relevant information and it was exhausting. It was mentally and physically draining for me having mum go through the pages and pages of questions in the form for me before submitting it. She wanted to make sure that I was aware of what was being said and we needed to discuss the fluctuating nature of my condition. It was a fine line trying to balance what I would have classed as a good day for me with being at my worst and being able to put that into words for somebody who didn't know me, had never met me, um, for them to be able to interpret. The variability of the condition really didn't seem to fit neatly into the form that had to be used. After all, I didn't want to say how awful things were if, when the assessor turned up, I was having a bit of a better day. I didn't want them thinking I was a liar or I was trying to scam them in some way. And then I still had to wait and hear if there was going to be an assessment visit. 
When we received the notification of the assessment visit, I had to adjust the plans that we had made for the days running up to the visit. This was to ensure that I would be able to participate in the visit. I remember not sleeping very well the night before the visit. Not the most unusual symptom for me, but one that I really could have done without. The assessor arrived and seemed nice enough. I had managed to move myself to the living room for their visit and I had my wheelchair on hand if I needed to move to somewhere else in the house. When the assessor was asking her questions, there were times when I struggled to follow the conversation. Thankfully, mum was there to keep things on track and answer whenever I stopped mid-sentence. One of the things I remember having to do was to explain that I wasn't just tired. And in doing that, I remember using words like exhausted and debilitating fatigue. Explaining that I had to choose between brushing my teeth or washing my face on some days helped to begin to build a picture. I remember that we had to give examples for almost everything to try to ensure that the assessor didn't just make assumptions. I know of others, you know, friends within the ME community who used the but rule. You know, when the assessor asks a closed question, you start answering it and then you add the word but to be able to give yourself the opportunity to explain in more detail exactly what you mean. Let me give you an example. If you were asked if you could use your phone to send or receive a text message, don't just say yes or no as a response. Try something like, yes, I can read a text, but not first thing in the morning, as I need a few hours to get my brain fog under control. I can then read one or two lines, and only if I pick the right time in the day to do that, as it makes my hands hurt to hold the phone, it gives me a headache to concentrate on the screen, and I need somebody else to compose a response when I'm ready to reply. So you can see how answering a question just yes or no gives very little detail to the assessor. But by using the word but, you're able to fill out a more rounded picture for them. I would recommend having somebody with you for your assessment so that they could take notes and help you respond to questions or even just help you in and out of the building if you must go to the assessor. And try to think through the little things that you need as well as the bigger things. So yes, I needed a wheelchair to get around, but I also needed a flask of hot water and a packet of crackers on the table next to me so I could try and make myself a cup of tea or a packet of soup at lunch if mum wasn't going to be home and I actually felt hungry. I needed a straw on some days as I was too weak or shaky to risk holding a cup or a glass of of juice. So think about 
all of the things that you use to help you in your daily tasks. That might include setting a timer to remind you to rest or using flashcards to warn visitors or others in the house when your energy is waning and you're going into power down mode. It could be sitting on the toilet to wash your hands or brush your teeth as standing takes too much energy to do that. All these sorts of things should be considered as part of your assessment for financial help. Unfortunately, I'm not sure how often that is the case. I know it didn't make much difference to my assessment at the time. We waited for a while for the first assessment result to come back. Over the years, I had to go through it all again and was even told at one point that my paperwork had been lost in a fire. That news was heartbreaking. We had to go through it all again and in the meantime, I was without any financial support. I had to consider selling my car and that felt like a massive thing to do. It was like losing the last of my independence, even though I couldn't drive it anyway. I like to think that things have changed and developed over the years, but I know that some people do still come up against these sorts of struggles. And that brings me to a few points from today that I'd like you to take away from this. Number one, whether you are working or not, you may be entitled to some form of welfare support benefit. Number two, if you are or need a carer, you may be entitled to additional benefits. Number three, you can access free support and advice from the likes of Citizens Advice Bureau or ME Charities. I know that Action for ME's Welfare Advice and Support Service offers expert confidential advice and you can find them online at www.actionforme.org.uk Number four, if you're applying for benefits and you've been given a timescale to complete paperwork, you can ask for an extension if you need this. And you can also ask for a home assessment if you're too unwell to travel to an assessment centre. Number five, if after all of this, you receive the final decision about your assessment and it's not what you had hoped, you can appeal the decision if you feel it's been unfair. So that's it for today, everybody. I've touched on my experiences of finances and the burden that it can bring to somebody with ME. In doing so, I've chatted about the help I needed to research and then complete the paperwork for the basics of applying for benefits. I've offered some tips that I use to help me explain my limitations to a benefits assessor. And I've given a reminder that you can appeal a decision that's been made. Please do ask for help to navigate this aspect. Reach out to family and friends and ask them to support you through this. For carers who may have been listening, you may need support also and I would point you in the direction of Carers UK 
and their website is www.carersuk.org. Thank you for listening. Please review, share and follow Believe in Me with Rona Barton via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Remember you can sign up to my mailing list by visiting my website at www.ronabarton.co.uk and my Facebook group Believe in Me Community can be found by either searching for Believe in Me Community or heading to my own Facebook page at Rona Barton Coaching. I really hope today is a good day for you. I'll be back next week. Bye for now.